<laughs> so we're now we're recording actually tonight in our new and improved studio, the bunker. Yeah, here in uh, Chateau JM's. Yeah, Chateau JM's. Yeah. Um, no, Dick Cheney, you need to go away. Dick, Cheney. yeah, undisclosed. Location. He's trying to hide in our bunker. Oh, that seems like a reference I should get, but don't care. To. And you just let it go. I just, I just you did. just missed it. <laughs> Could have been epic, but no. I, well, you know, uh, that's that's the story of my life. Yeah, true. It could have been. You're listening to Slightly Uncomfortable. Are you ready? <laughs> All right, we're live now. We need to pour bourbon, I think. Is that? I'm in favor of that. Yeah, I think we should pour bourbon. What kind of what bourbon are we, we going to use first? Well, we'll try first. So we've got we've got two bourbons this evening that uh, we're going to sample. Uh, Root brought a Stone bourbon Hammer. called Stone Hammer, Kentucky Straight Bourbon, which tells you what, boys, that it's at least four years old. If that is the rumor. bourbon, it's got to be four years old. So that that gives me uh, hope and optimism. Good. Uh, at least it's not six month old swill. <laughs> and uh, Alex brought. Jim Beam's latest release called Repeal Batch. It's a non-chilled filtered. Um, I'm assuming this is their two-year-old bourbon. I do not know. It is 86 proof, so we're going to pop open both of these. Which one we go? Well, since Stonehammer's open, yes. why don't we go ahead and sample that? I, I, I had to go ahead and crack that open. I, I couldn't help myself. We know. We know. We're going to let Alex do the, um, do the honors since he's uh, closest to the juice. Uh, that's when we say juice. That means bourbon. We don't want to get creepy or anything. Well, you know, James has this unhealthy obsession with fruit juices. But all right, now all right. shall we? Cheers. 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 Uh, we're gonna try the Stone Hammer. Stone Hammer. Stone Hammer. All right, let's, uh, Stone Hammer. Here we go. All right, doesn't have much of a nose. Would you agree kind of with fruity. that? A little bit fruity. Ooh, that's got a repulsive finish. <laughs> Stings the nostrils. It's pretty flat in the front, too. And then it just burns the shit out of your mouth at the end. <laughs> yeah. Here's the reason there's not wasn't much missing from the bottom. You know, I'm just going to go on and tell you right now. Jethro T. Boots It's not looking so damn bad right now. Because <laughs> you know the big difference between Jethro and Stonehammer is about $11. <laughs> right. Both of them equally undrinkable. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, but, but I, I will say this about the Stonehammer. You know you're drinking something. And and you know what you're drinking hasn't been watered down. It's not flat. The, the Boots was pretty damn flat. Honestly, this is a solvent. The, that is water. The the boots honestly just tasted like really young bourbon. You know, it didn't have enough time to get any char taste, any yeah, yeah. any yeah. oak taste at all. If it aged it at all, they aged it cool, so it didn't get a whole lot of action going in right. and out of that char, yeah. and it just tasted like it didn't have any character at all. Yep. Whereas yep. this, it has character. It's just demonic. It's just a fat sweaty guy in line at the candy store. Hey, 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 <laughs> hey, hey. hey. <laughs> Now, that being said, I'm, I always like to put a little bit of water in just to see if it changes. And I don't know if I have any water in this because this, my friends, is a Yeti and nothing has melted yet. <laughs> and quite honestly, I'm not going to waste an ice cube on this. <laughs> <laughs> don't blame. So um, we're going to uh, 
start the show, I guess. Wow. On what did you just get another? You know, anything that's named after Hammer. <laughs> I'm just saying the marketing's not there. I it it has that I think the marketing has potential. But you got to have something to market, and this is not really marketable. Well, the reason why you say you think it has potential, Root, Most is because you bought it. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, you know, Stonehammer, Stonehammer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. It could be cool. So what I'm hearing uh, Root say is that somebody just needs to name bourbon after Greek mythology heroes, and he will buy it all day, air day. Probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't take much for me to buy bourbon. And, you know, here's the thing. I mean, we can talk about this all we want to, but but marketing's not lost yeah. on even seasoned bur- bourbon drinkers. Uh, I, I you know I was talking to some folks today, and they were saying you know small batch is so much better than you know the mass produced bourbon. And the reality of it is, small batch means absolutely nothing other than fantastic marketing. Right. Right. It's not a federal law that quantifies it. It has to be 200 barrels or 150 barrels or or, or whatever to be small batch. And it's a lot like the stuff here. They put a pretty, you know, pretty label on the mm-hmm. nice bottle. They put a cork in it. All of a sudden, we're salivating. Yeah. Just like the Jim Beam that we're getting ready to try. And at least Jim Beam's an established brand. It's mm-hmm. been around forever. But it says repeal batch. So now we're going back to prohibition in our mind. And we're thinking, oh, my God, this is, this is going to be fantastic. It's the stuff that the people in the Roaring Twenties drank. <laughs> if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, 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 yeah. I, I don't know if we want to drink the stuff that they drink in the Roaring Twenties. Uh, no, mostly because it was made in a bathtub in the back of a bar. So the topic of today's show is going to be porn. Mm. Now, we we bannered back and forth about what this topic was going to be. Originally, Root was going to produ- pr- produce. Produce. Oh, Jim Bean. It was a, uh, call, it was a cauliflower. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Originally, Root was going to produce this show, and he was bannering back and forth. And then he got busy at work, and he uh, I kind of took the baton, and he was giving me all sorts of different oh, uh, great topics, that mm. very deep topics about time management, about upcoming holidays, about oh, th- yeah. this kind of stuff. And he he said, oh, okay, because he had forgotten that he had actually said those things. Am yeah. I right? Yeah, so, something to that effect. Okay. So anyway, I listened to all that, took all that into to, you know deep and considered, and then I decided we're going to talk about porn. Yeah, uh, because I think porn is a much bigger broader subject than what people uh, address it as and, and, and recognize it as. So as we're going to do with most topics, we're going to talk about our first, pardon the pun, exposure to pornography, whether it be as a child, a young adult, or whenever we were first exposed to it. And we're going to kind of build from that. So uh, how about we start off with Alex. Alex, talk to us about your first exposure to porn. So my first exposure to porn was in the ministry. Fitting. So, you know, like everyone. Of course. <laughs> Why not? So when, when I was... Just like I a was, handshake. Just, just like a handshake. <laughs> it started out like that. <laughs> That's what now, that <laughs> So in, in my youth, I uh, spent quite a bit of time actually out uh, doing door-to-door ministry work. And um, in that process, you meet a lot of different people, and you run into a lot of different sorts of people. And one of the people that I ran into... Was a porn star. Was not a porn star. (laughs) But... Uh, was some uh, some kids. I, so I was probably between eight and ten. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> oh my. We just went from slightly uncomfortable. 
To exceptionally. To felony. So let's clarify, this is while I was a kid. Um, <laughs> that's, so, that, that's, that's, a, that's an important distinction. Yeah, it is. Um, so I was, I was probably eight, ten years old um, and in this uh, ministry work out with my parents. And um, while they were talking to some, some of the, to these kids' parents, the, the kids, uh, I, I, I was supposed to go preach to them, I guess. I think that's what I was supposed to do. And instead they said, hey, you want to see some boobs? <laughs> <laughs> so they pulled out a, whatever magazine there was that they had. I have no idea what it was. Um, sure I was he doesn't. Completely freaked out. <laughs> and, you know, couldn't couldn't get back fast enough to you know get away from the evil. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was my first exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, before Root and I comment, I think uh, uh, something I'm curious about is. Who was your first real boob you saw? First real boob? Yeah, let's all answer that. You know, because everybody remembers your first. And the, well, who? No, it, it has to be your first human boob. Up, up close and personal? Well, I'm not talking about nipple and mouth. Video. No, no, in person. Well, in I, person. Mean, I mean, I don't think I'll be that unusual to say my mother because I was nursed and so were all my siblings. How long did you nurse? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but well, I, I think James's question is the the first boob. Do I re- do I remember do remember? I remember nursing now? Um, okay, but I'm I remember go back I re- to the original question. The first boob. I'm sorry that you remember. Okay, so I was probably about three because that's well, my no, my sister was two. So when I was I was two when she was born. So yeah, he saw his mother nursing his daughter, his sister, something. Yeah, his father. Something, something. That's how no, babies are made. I don't think I saw that. <laughs> Drinking right from the faucet. That old cagey dude. All right, Root. What was the first bub you saw? Probably five or six. Five or six years old. Uh, family member, you know, just stepping out of the shower or whatever. Were you in the bathroom with him? Well, it's a very small house, very large family. Were you in the bathroom with them? I was them? not in the bathroom with them, but... We want the truth. I'm telling you the <laughs> truth. My God. I'm sorry, Senator. I do not recall. <laughs> but yeah, you know, and, and it, probably not unlike his experience, it, you know, very, very large family. I remember my dad, this was my father's side of the family, very large family. And this was a very small house, and we all congregated there on particular weekends. And and uh, you see things. I've seen a lot of things. Some things I can't unsee. But I think most of it was legal, maybe. <laughs> my first boob <laughs> was my cousin Janice. Hmm. And it was ginormous. It was? I remember. And I think they still are. Yeah. She was my first cousin, and she was about, I don't know, five, six years older than me. And she had a child young. And I walked into the living room, and she had her full left booby out. And there was he not, knows which one of them it was, I do, too. I do. And, and there was not a child attached to it at the moment. So it wasn't just seeing, you know, like side boob and a little areola. Mm-hmm. It was full-on ripe nipple. And I remember walking in and just going, you know, just stand there with my mouth open. And then my mama comes in and just goes, James Urban, get your ass out of here. 
<laughs> and then I went in my room, and we'll stop the the story at this yeah, point. Yeah, we're right, right. But uh, so, so 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 here's the funny thing to me about this conversation is that boobs matter to us. They don't to me now. Well, but even but even then, right? Like, I mean, we're a pretty unique culture in the fact that mm-hmm. like boobs matter to Americans, right? Well, it's something that that. You don't see. You see them everywhere. I mean, if you live in Europe or no, somewhere no, like no. that, I'm just saying, like, it's one of those things. Or if you live in, in say, most third world countries, like, nursing is so normal, you wouldn't even know which was the first boob you saw because right. everybody. They're ubiquitous. They're yeah. It's, it's and, like an elbow. And, but here, it's such a thing to cover it. And I'm sure, I mean, we'll get into this in discussion about porn, but there's a lot of shame tied up in that, right? Just the fact that you said your mom said, get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, we've, and this may be something that we get into down the road, but, you know, uh, public breastfeeding is, comes up as a hot topic debate. It seems to be circular. Yeah, Yeah. it just comes up. And, you know, I've never really understood how that happens. I mean, you know, it's a part of people's anatomy, but. uh, Well, there's many things that's part of people's anatomy that we're not allowed to show at the mall. True. All right, True. and 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 we don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole on this one, but I understand that that ladies should have the right to feed their child. I get that, but there's also, well, I there's, think there is decorum that you can show, yep, where you can just take a blanket or a scarf or something to cover up if you're sitting in the middle of a damn mall. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Everybody wipes. No, their no I, I disagree. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, and that's, that's interesting, right? Because, like. Like I say, we have this odd thing that somehow. Why do we have to cover it? It's because of the sexual sexualization of it. What about the penis? I mean, what's well, the difference? This, this, the penis is actually involved in sex. I've had some <laughs> sex with boobs. <laughs> but but I mean, the fact that this conversation is starting in the in the in the context of porn, right, is right. because it's a sexualization of breasts as part of you know as part of anatomy, right? So the my point being just simply that like it's only because we sexualize them in a to a large degree I'm, that's not to say they can't be involved in sex or that they are, there isn't they some be. there isn't some sexualization to them but they are so they are so sexualized in a, in american culture as opposed to most other cultures um that they can't be exposed or people feel like they have to cover it up when you know there's really really no reason 50% of the population has them well, we have them too. They just don't work right, <laughs> and we're allowed to show them. And sadly, <laughs> sadly, mine are getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, yeah. And my goal is to, you know, just date women that have sm- bigger boobs than me, <laughs> and that's getting harder and harder to do as I grow old. It's no joke. Yeah. Don't, don't laugh at it. Damn yeah, it. Yeah, I'm there with you. Pat. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, yeah, except uh, for the little dating part, <laughs> you know, I'm married happily, <laughs> currently. <laughs> At the moment, so Alex, uh, Alex said Until that this goes on the air. <laughs> his first exposure to porn was church. All right. It wasn't at church, <laughs> although it, from plenty of stories I've heard from other people, that wouldn't have been out of the norm. <laughs> it would not. Uh, we can get it. We're going to have a whole series of podcasts on religion, yeah. and and just to give a little teaser for that coming up. Uh, we 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 actually come from three totally different per- backgrounds, and I can't imagine anything that is going to be more fascinating than the give and take and the back and forth that we're going to have when we talk about religion, because the three of us have been deeply religious in our past, and from three totally different 
completely opposite backgrounds. Probably three, four, or five different, yeah. completely different backgrounds. But yeah, yeah. So that's going to be fascinating. So, uh, Root, what was your first exposure? Pardon the pun. To pornography. Daddy's magazines always is that that um, I uh, I can't remember what the first one was. I can't remember what exactly I was looking at. How old were you? Uh, six, seven, something like that. And you know, it just kind of progressed, and just like the rest of us, I guess. Um, there was the I got caught. I guess I was in my early teens. And um, I think I either uh, I got home before my folks. Both both my folks worked, uh, you know, multiple different jobs just just to provide for me and the and the family. God bless them. But uh, I found one, I found one of Pop's magazines and uh, found his uh, Heaven Hill and. Things got went a little bit off the rails, and so was that the first time you had alcohol as well? No, 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 no. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mountain boy. I was I cut my teeth on moonshine probably at about five, but um, you know, at at, at, at any rate, um, I had forgotten, I guess, that the cover of this thing had fallen off. And where was the cover when you when you forgot it? Was it on the floor? No, no. It was on the back of the couch. Was it stuck to the back of the couch, Rude? Uh, it, 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 no, it was not stuck. How was it, it on the back of the couch? I put it there. With what? How did it stay there? Gravity. <laughs> gravity Good would make God. it. Gravity would make it fall. But please continue. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I put all the parts. We're missing favors. something to this story. <laughs> I, I put it was all, with a staple. <laughs> I put all the party papers away except for that part. So I, I I I can see my mom came in first. I know she had to see it. Uh, didn't obviously didn't make a show of it. Dad comes home, and I can only imagine what that conversation was in the kitchen. You know, walk through the living room, go to the bedroom, turn around, come back, look at the couch, tell me what you see. That had to be the conversation because that's exactly what he did. And he went back to the kitchen, and they called me into the kitchen, and the rest of the night is kind of a blur. <laughs> Because it wasn't so much that I was looking at the magazine as that I had been prowling and that I had found it. What 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 I had done was an was an invasion of their privacy, which I understand now. Should have understood it then, but you know, that's part. That's one of those stories you get when you're growing up. So, did you get in trouble more for the Heaven Hill or for the pornography? Um, probably. I, honestly, I can't remember, but n- pro- not so much the the pornography so much as the. Uh, uh, you know, intruding on the privacy. Um, yeah, I, I, early teen boy, that thing's going to happen. But yeah, it it seems like that um, we have all very similar stories, uh, except for Alex. Um, <laughs> I uh, story of my life. <laughs> again, I was I was. Uh, I'm feeling very familiar down in this bomb shelter. <laughs> It's the illustrious studios here at yeah. Chateau Jams, um, but uh, my my exposure was was very similar in that. Um, uh, I, again, I was always somewhat of an entrepreneur, and my mom would give me uh, two dollars every day to go to school and get my lunch, and then I would stop by the the corner grocery store, the corner market, and I would buy two dollars worth of Jolly Ranchers for three cents each. Then I would go to school and turn those Jolly Ranchers into a ten cent per item. Uh, 
and I would sell that to each one of my schoolmates, uh, turning a profit so that I could buy lunch and then have some pocket money. And with my pocket money, I would buy pornography from my friends, my friends who had older brothers that had some illicit materials that they had there at their house, and they would sell me page by page different pieces of pornography. And they were all priced accordingly. And they had it quantified to the most subtle nuance. <laughs> if it's only one side of the page, then it was a certain price. If it were back-to-back sides of the page, it was higher. If it showed just boobies, it was cheaper. If it showed pure beef and boobies, that's the holy grail. <laughs> so I would actually save up my money to get the high-end stuff. And it, would co- and it would come folded, just like when you used to pass a note in school, how you would have that. I never knew how to fold anything like that. But it would have that certain type of fold, and then I could take it home, and i put it in my pocket, take it home, and then in my private James time, mm. I would unfold it, and I would fold it back up. And again, I never knew how to fold it that way, so I ended up folding it against the crease, and it ended up not being legible after a while. So that was my start. But the best part was when I found that my dad had the subscription to Playboy, and I noticed him coming home and getting the Playboy out of the, the, the mailbox that was in the thin brown wrapper. And then I followed him in one day and watched where he put it in his large chest of drawers that had the blankets on top of it. And when Dad was at work in summer vacation, I would go in. And he. by the time I found his stash, he had about six, seven magazines deep underneath there. And that was an area that my mother never looked. So I would start taking one from the bottom because Daddy's had it in chronological order, newest at the top to the bottom being the oldest. So I would take the ones from the bottom, knowing that Dad probably wasn't looking at those anymore, and he wouldn't miss them. Well, as this went on, I got a little braver and a little braver, and I started keeping some of the older ones in my room so that I didn't have to get worry about getting caught going into Dad's bedroom. And um, I came home from school one day, and I walked in my room, and on my waterbed, mm. yeah, I was that kind of kid, cool. Yeah. yeah, I was that kind of cool. And on my waterbed, my mother had every Playboy that she found in my bedroom, centerfold open, laid out across my bed along with those little pages out of the porn magazines. Now, these were not Playboy magazines. These were not Penthouse. These were some decrepit, <laughs> you know, thing that, you know, you, do, you don't want to show, you don't want people to know you look at. Mm-hmm. So these were all spread out over my bed. And I walked in, and I'm not going to lie to you folks, I peed a little bit. <laughs> and I may have pooped. I'm just saying. And then Mama come in, and she goes, I have one question for you. Where'd you get them? And I did some soul searching, and I said, um, "Dad." Dad. <laughs> and she said, "What? Um, what?" I said, "Yeah, go in there. And let me let me take you to the drawer." <laughs> I opened up right that under the bus. Yeah, I opened up that drawer, and there all those Playboy magazines was. And she goes, "Go out and play." Yes, ma'am. So I left the house. <laughs> And I stayed out till dark. I missed dinner and everything. My mom was a good cook. I rarely ever missed dinner. We know. This was a Friday night. I woke up the next morning. Mom was in getting ready, getting getting ready after she got up uh, for the morning. Dad was in making coffee, and I walked in. I'm like, stood next to him. I'm like, dude, sorry about that. He said, it was a really rough night, son. <laughs> and my dad and I, my dad's now 92 years old. We still laugh about that story. And that was the first of many times my father got caught with pornography. In fact, that would be a fantastic interview for me to conduct. 
to bring dad down <laughs> to the studio yeah. and have him talk about how many times my mama called him a that pornography. That would be fun. So I think it's suffice it to say that that pornography, we were brought up to think that it was a guilty pleasure, that it was something almost like an abomination. It was something that you don't do, and if you do, you don't tell people there about it. There was no it. pleasure. It was just guilt. <laughs> Right. Well, yeah. I, I, I think, you know, what are you doing? I'm going to drink the hell out of this shit. Okay. You want some more? No. I, that, I'm, Where's I'm the waiting, ginger I'm, beer? I'm waiting for a mule. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think He's going to get kicked by something. I don't know if it's going to be a mule or not. <laughs> but it, I think as, as, as I grew up after that one unfortunate little episode, um, the porn... In in my family, it, it wasn't something that that was obviously wasn't something open, right? It wasn't you know, mom didn't come in talking about this picture that she had just seen or something. But uh, the also I I don't know it, it, it you know we struggled with this when we were talking about it pre-show and 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 I'm, I still kind of struggle with it. I am not exactly sure where the the uh, taboo part of pornography came from as when I was growing up other than the fact that it just showed people having sexual relations somehow or another well I think and, and may, maybe that's just it they were you know it, it's depictions of graphic sex outside presumably outside of a marriage relationship no, maybe that's it for, for you you mean I've actually I mean, for me it was it was depictions of sex that's what mattered right yeah. so it was the same thing for me uh, because I've seen some pornography that depicted a wedding, and honestly, it still wouldn't have been okay. You know, if if, if they videotaped a couple ha- having a marriage ceremony, and then there was a three ray ran on somebody, still not gonna be right. All right, I don't, I don't know if it has anything to do with sex outside of marriage. I think it has everything to do with sex being depicted on on film, or being open about sex. Right? I mean. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get into this at some point, but like in in my my upbringing, sexuality was just something that was not something you could talk about. It was not something yeah. that could be even, be even talked about, let alone actually depicted. Right. right? Um, the idea that say a song would contain something about sex that was bad. Right. The idea that somebody would talk about sex in a in any way other than roughly about procreation, <laughs> it was pretty much that was about it. Right. right, and unless it was to condemn somebody for having sex or talking about sex. <laughs> well, and, and I, I believe that's again. I think what you said was very accurate, and I don't know about Roots' background, but in my background, sex was was bad to talk about. I was raised. My mom and my dad were in their forties when I was born. My dad's Depression era uh, youth, born in nineteen twenty five. We didn't talk about sex. My sex talk was keep your pants on. Mm-hmm. That was the extent of it. The birds and bees talk didn't know the difference in birds and bees until kind of trial by error, you know. Uh, so I think that was it. But also, the pornography that we were brought, what we were exposed to, was hidden in every one of these circumstances. It was hidden. So if you have to hide something, right, by its nature, by its nature, it's, it's taboo, wrong, yeah. right. Right, and also by its nature, it's very interesting to oh, yeah. a child because it's forbidden. Because it's yeah. hid, you know. Yeah. If it if it sat next to the World Book Encyclopedia, I guarantee you, I would have never noticed it was there. Right. Because when any time I had to crack one of those, it was for school, 
right? But if it's in my daddy's blanket drawer, oh, now we've got something interesting, <laughs> right? And I'll, the stuff I'll, he I'll, won't I'll, tell mama about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting. So uh, we were all raised, uh, Alex is a tad bit younger than Root and I, but uh, we were, we've actually been raised during the most prolific time in adult cinematography. You know, the real heyday of mm-hmm. pornography started in the mid to late 70s. The heyday did. Can you mm-hmm. take that? No, okay. no. I'm good. Uh, and that was when Root and I were kids. Mm-hmm. You know, we were both born in 1967. I was a 67 kid as well. So um, that's when it really started. I remember looking at Dad's VHS tapes. And I think one thing we need to talk about now is how pornography, and I'm going to really defer to Root and Alex on this because these guys are much more technologically advanced. We are than, not the experts on the topic, however. I yeah, mean, that, that's James. That's right. That's yes. right. <laughs> uh, but how pornography went along and coincided with advancements in technology. Uh, yeah. Now, either one of you all can take this baton and start running. Well, I mean... It, it goes back, I mean, yes, we had the heyday of porn in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that, but going going back a long way, sexuality and the depiction of it has driven technology. Um, I mean, you could, there, there are, were advances in the skill of artists, certainly, tied up um, way back, you know talking centuries and possibly millennia. millennia. Well, <laughs> they, they, I mean, they, they found depictions of pornography in cave walls. Right, right. Right. So it's always driven an advanced technology. Um, we've seen a huge advance in that in the last 40, 50 40, years, yeah. right? Um, but, uh, you know, actually the advance of film and taking pictures and stuff like that was itself driven in many ways by, uh, by the idea of the ability to so well depict the nude or sexual form, right? And then uh, when it came time for, like, VHS to take hold. I mean, we had VHS really because of the porn industry, yep. because that was where you could finally really bring it into your home easily and uh, privately and that kind of thing. And, and, and then, also that you were, could record VHS tape to VHS tape. So not only could you, you rent, could replicate it, yeah, you mm-hmm. could replicate it, and then there was a secondary market, not right. just the Dave's Video Store, right? But there was a secondary market. We all had somebody that knew a guy. Right. That you five bucks would get you a tape. And then you had the camcorder. So now you could actually make your own mm-hmm. and you could, anybody could set up. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> well, but that I've seen myself make it. But it, but it, but it really did drive, it drive, drove the industry too for that, yes. right? Because that was Absolutely. now you had the ability to have a studio pretty quickly and easily, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then you move along to the internet age and I mean, it's all bets are off. All, all bets are off there yeah. as far as the availability, the, um, you know, the, 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 the drive for Brad broadband is in, was in many ways driven by, the uh, by business. the porn industry <laughs> and people's desire to consume it privately, securely, and in high quality. Yep. And without, without going to an adult theater, without going to a peep show, mm-hmm. I mean, because back even as, as early in the forties and fifties, when they had the peep shows and the little view inboxes that you could do with a hand crank. Not not anything. Don't don't think bad, but just a hand cranked video, where you can go and spend a nickel mm-hmm. and and watch a video in a drugstore. Yep. You know. So now 
I think Root speak about not just in technology as more general, but also like cell phone technology. You know, when we think about where cell phones started with a, ba- a bag and a phone, right, and where we are today, do you think that has anything to do with the uh, popularity of pornography? Uh, I, uh, not not sure I can draw a, a one-to-one causal connection there. But, uh, you but... need to. Go ahead. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> I think I may have actually seen a diagram that did draw one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Pornography takes all kinds of forms. Um, we've talked about the, the visual form and magazines and that kind of thing. I think an argument could be made that advancements of, of cellular technologies came about from the audio side of pornography, where people wanted to have that, that exchange, so it was just dirty talk. You're talking about like phone sex? 1-900 numbers, you know, hmm. um, and as that progressed... And then, you know, party lines, all that stuff. As that progressed and these phones stopped being just telephones and started becoming little personal handheld computers, you've got cameras, you've got, uh, God knows what you can do with these There's things. a calculator on mine. Yeah, yeah, just, just hush for a minute. <laughs> well, he was, seems like he was searching. He was just trying to help out a little so, bit. So, you know, but... that the, Angry Birds. I got that too. I think that was in the pictures that you saw. Though. They, these these phones have have made have made the production of pornographic material as as simple as literally just clicking a button, and uh, for good or ill. You know. Well, uh, and and it definitely. Ha- I mean, so there's there's a, there's a there's a diagram I've seen that shows basically the size of phones and how they kept going down and down and down and they were smaller and smaller and smaller until we had screens that actually showed pretty good pictures right and then they started turning into smartphones well it's not it's, the, the size is directly related to the images we can look at on them mm-hmm. and what have people figured out that they can look at on them. And right? I currently have the largest smartphone on the market. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. Yeah. And I'm not walking away shot. from it either. And, and then and then there have been added technologies recently for things like our ability to create, like you say, create, but then also share, right? right. So things like the Snapchat and those kinds of like tools that were basically created for the ability to create private secret messages that you don't want somebody else to see or you want them to expire or that kind of thing. That's the key right there is that they go away forever. Yeah. Because what we have seen is there's always a footprint of anything that's sent, said, Mm -hmm. or, or recorded. But now you've got the services that now will assure you that once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah. They're lying, but okay. Uh, We've already talked about a bit about our early uh, introduction to pornography and also how pornography touched on uh, technology and how technology was drove it. Uh, now we're going to move on to a little bit more personal and, Uh-oh. dare I say, intimate <laughs> parts of pornography. Pornography will af- affect relationships. It just does. Now, we've already spoken about how pornography affected, especially Root and I, how pornography affected the relationship that we have with our fathers, right? And also it affected the relationship our fathers had with our mothers, Mm -hmm. and we saw that dynamic. So how do we think that pornography in today's society affects relationships? Who wants to take the baton? I'll jump on it. Pardon the pun again. God, that was wrong.
That's what she said. That's the first, that's what she said that we typed. <laughs> and I'm pretty proud of that. All right, because there has been so many opportunities. Oh, there has. There has. And we have, we've been so good tonight. We have. That now the mules are kicking in. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, I, I think 30 years ago, um, I, I know, like, uh, James expressed in, in his introduction to porn and, and uh, my... Uh, my poor dad had a similar fate when when they all discovered that going on. I think back in that era, um, you know, mothers' wives felt threatened, immediately threatened. It was it was almost a uh, oh shoot, what's what uh, betrayal of sorts. I mean, I would even venture to say that it may have bridged on adultery. Adultery, yes, to yes. a lot of. Ladies of that time. Mm-hmm. Now, I I think. Where Do you we think are, that goes back into biblical? I mean, if you lust, it's if you I, lust with your mind, it's the same as lusting with your body. I, you I, think it may have because we're all from the Bible Belt, right? And and I I think absolutely think that had something to do with it. Um, do, do you think that actually comes from something like that or basic insecurities that? that people feel in a relationship like that. I think it's both. Yeah. I, I think it absolutely could be both. I think primarily, however, for my parents, I can't speak to James. I didn't grow up with his folks, but, um, if, and for, 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 for my folks, it, it was a sense of, of betrayal. It, and that, that betrayal came from that biblical background that, you know, I, I didn't. I didn't necessarily grow up in the church. Mom and Dad. We would go to church on the on the big days, right? Christmas <laughs> and Easter and and that kind of thing. But uh, but still, like you said, we're in the Bible Belt. You cannot escape it. And and those mores are beaten into you. And, and and a lot of times, it's not from going to service. Really. Yeah, it's not. It's not from going to services on Sunday. Right. It's because it's convenient. Right. To back up their already preconceived ideas yes. about the heinousness of your activities. Correct, and and ninety percent of that is because it doesn't meet a community standard, and and or societal. I think that that's well, fair. Right, but yeah. but it's that, that's the same thing. Right, it's right, the same right. thing. Um, I think, however, today, um, I really think pornography has become so mainstream that uh, you know. Couples enjoy porn together, and I I believe that that there is now an understanding that enjoying pornography is not a threat to a relationship because I can. Uh, there's a great Howard Jones song from back in the day that started off. Where one of the lyrics was, you can look at the menu, but you just can't eat. You can look at the menu, but you just can't eat. But, I mean, is that not porn? You know, we can see everything that's there. We can see all the offerings. But unless we go down the wrong path and start stalking this this woman or this man or whatever it is you're into, um, you're probably not going to be able to participate in that. And I, I think in today's world, I really do believe that folks are, are seeing that separation. But yes, I think people can enjoy it now, and it's not so much a threat. I don't think it's a threat from any angle. It, it's just like, you know, 
looking at a, a, a Da Vinci painting or a, a I don't get those same feelings from uh, Da Vinci. Botticelli. Hmm? Botticelli, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Some Salvador uh, Dali and, uh, now may get me a little uh, going. John but... Waterhouse, too. Yeah. It, the, his water lilies were amazing. So, nymphs, water nymphs, whatever they are. Did you just say water lilies were amazing? I was thinking, yeah, but that, that's... It that seems like guy. Root that's may have gotten... Guy. What's that French guy? Oh, that narrows it down. <laughs> There's so few of them. Monet. 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 The guy yeah, that had Monet the paintbrush. You know, the guy that had the brush. <laughs> So that's my take on it. Alex, slap him. <laughs> that's why I'm over here in the corner, so I'm not reachable. I mean, as far as like the that whole idea of it being something that is, you know, you can you can look but don't touch kind of thing, right? Um, well, you know, solid platinum says that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a little different. <laughs> Again, I'm not a real big reader, so I haven't noticed that. <laughs> he clearly missed that. No, Solid Platinum has it written on the wall. Oh, Have you been yeah. to Solid Platinum? Then hush. Back before it was Solid Platinum, maybe. <laughs> but I mean, I th- I don't know. I think that never I, have, honey, never have. I, I think it. I for I, I think what I've seen it. It comes out a lot uh, out of a lot of, uh, basically just trying to control, um, as far as like uh, armores and stuff like that about about porn. Um, trying to control. Uh, you know, the what, is somebody tempted away? Are they going to? Are, am I going to lose lose them to the porn star? Right? I mean, right. obviously that's not true, but it triggers some sort of insecurity in there, in my experience. So, for instance, one of the experiences, and this kind of goes back to one of the things that uh, we talked about earlier, as far as our uh, seeing our parents and their interactions. Um, my I, one of the one of my memories related to porn early on was. Um, my dad received some piece of mail. I don't know. We, I, I kind of know what it was because I snuck a late look. <laughs> <laughs> but it was basically just some sort of like, you know, it was like a, a catalog of porn that could be purchased kind of thing. It was like a, a catalog for like toys and porn and stuff like, like that. Like an Adam and Eve. Yeah. Type. Yeah. But back in the day, right? right. These were mail order kind of things like that. I think that was called um, Spiegel's. <laughs> James is the connoisseur. Of these now this things. was a little further than the the this, and this was further this was further than the Victoria's Secret catalog. They weren't called um, back massagers mm-hmm. in that catalog. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't look that quite that close, but but to see my mom's reaction to it having come in the mail to my dad, he I now honestly I don't think he had anything to do with the fact that it was mailed to him. It was probably he felt he fell in some category of aid group male going to mail this to their house. We got a hold of their name and age. Right, and, and it could have been um, a prank too. That was a who, common thing. Who knows? Who knows how it happened? But my mom, it came in the mail. She found it, got it, and she about flipped out. She wasn't the type to really flip out that much, right? Well, okay, yeah, but um, but <laughs> in general, but in this kind of but time. in this kind of thing, right? And I had not really seen that kind of reaction out of her. I mean, and, and she stormed down to the post office and demanded that this kind of smut never be delivered to our house again. Wow. Um, and strong. That's strong. Yeah. yeah. Good luck with that. And and yeah. she was not the type to be confrontational with any kind of like group, you know, like the post office even, right? <laughs> but the but she was government. she was truly offended that this was even present, right? That this was a thing. So that idea, that idea that like you know, 
I I think it goes beyond even the just kind of like, could we share this or could this be something that is like, okay, because it's fantasy. It was just not okay, right, Uh, in that that experience. So I think to the degree that it can affect relationships, at least historically, I mean, or, you know, and and it it totally depends on the relationship that it's in encounters, right? Um, My parents are going to be totally different than my relationships and than any any of the the rest of us. So... Mm -hmm. From that, from that respect, I think how it affects a relationship is all about that relationship and how Absolutely. that relationship is able to, you know, talk about it openly, experience it openly, or not, if that's what you mutually decide. One of the biggest problems there that I see is an imbalance in the ability between two, two or more people who are involved in a relationship and their ability to, like, talk about it and be open with each other about it. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, concur with both you guys. I think what what Root said was absolutely valid and what Alex said was absolutely valid. And I'm going to build on that. I'm going to agree with that. I would have said the exact same things that both you all said. And and if I can sum it up, I believe that what Root said was it can almost be used as a marital aid. And now it's accepted to the point to where it can be. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, maybe a male was, was reluctant to introduce that in their relationship. It was more of a taboo. And something that maybe he enjoyed at the lodge with his friends, like a stag reel and stuff like that. Right? Yep. Is that fair? Yep. And, and um, again, I'm going to echo what Alex said as well. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a different take on it because even though it's something that I've enjoyed in a relationship before, I've also seen the issues that it could bring up. And what Alex said was very, very important in that um, if a couple is okay with the interaction about porn together. It's fantastic. It can turn out what, with what Root said. But if one is pushing porn more so than the other, and it can cause inadequacies and self-esteem issues, and the one that does isn't all that comfortable. Because let's face it, folks, the porn that we see today, vast majority, the people are in fantastic physical condition. And I think sometimes in relationships... Women and men both feel inadequate when they see their spouse lusting and their body changing or or responding responding to a a vision that they're seeing that they know they can never, no matter how hard they try. And when they look in the mirror, what they are seeing is not what's in that in that television screen on that computer screen. And when they see their spouse responding in a far different way than they've ever responded. And now they, maybe this couple's been together for 10 years, and maybe their physical relationship has been fantastic. But my God, since they've introduced porn, it's went off the charts. So many people that have lower self-esteem will say that, my God, I can't equal what this stimulus that's brought into our relationship has brought. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I think absolutely. that can be a huge relationship-threatening thing. Mm-hmm. If you deal with somebody that's in a relationship that does not have a good self-esteem, I think it can really be problematic. Also, it can attack the morality of it. We can get into that in a moment. But just one-on-one, healthy, traditional relationship, right? Porn can be a wedge. And especially if somebody finds out that the other person is using that type of pornography in their private time and instead of 
not including their partner. I have seen it happen, luckily not in a personal level, but I have seen it happen with people who I knew. And it can really be damaging. And it's, it damages the self-esteem in a way that it can't come back, sadly. When you have that type of stimulus, it's kind of like going out and driving a damn Ferrari and then get back in your Ford Granada. I mean, it, yeah, that car gets you from point A to point B, and it has for a long time. But when you lit up, when you got in that car, it's really tough for someone else to see you and say, I'm just his Granada. <laughs> and he has to dream about my, being a Ferrari. Right. Yeah. I, it, yeah. I, I would, and this, I fully agree, fully agree with what you're saying, but it, it did strike a nerve. Um, and, and it, it strikes a nerve and, and just so that we can put some cards out on the table here. Um, now we're I, playing cards. Yes, we are playing cards. I'm, I'm the only married guy here as, as a husband, if, if, I'm participating in this porn culture. If I'm watching webcams, doing the web show thing, doing all that, and and the situation that James was talking about, and my wife has that kind of self-esteem issue, it's on me to fix that. Wow, we just opened up a can of worms. That, that, <laughs> no, no, no. And I'm not Let me just want to say, if he edits that stuttering out, no. it's a tra- travesty. I'm leaving it in there because I, I, I just want to clarify what I meant. I, I, I don't mean that, that oh, no, he I'm didn't. going to change my wife because I would never dream of that. What, what the husband's role in that kind of relationship is, is to make that wife feel as wanted and as uh, needed, sought after, desired, desired as anything that I may be looking at on that computer screen. So I know and fully agree that, that there are self-esteem issues there. Right. Everybody has self-esteem Everybody issues. Everybody has self-esteem issues. And, and when, you, when you start bringing in that level of intimacy and, and the, the appearance, the perception that uh, a husband is lusting after something that a wife cannot possibly provide. But here's the thing. That, that's a level of, of intimacy, intimacy there that the husband needs to address. But all right, here's, here, I think here's... A, a vignette into that. Is that the right word? Vignette? We'll see. Uh, here's a here's a bit of a vignette. Because uh, I was Googling fancy he, words. And he has it, no idea what it means. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it means. But, all right, so let's say that to, to deal with your hypothesis, that is the right word. I know it is. Uh, to deal with your hypothesis that it is a husband's role to make, his wife feel desired the same, if not more so than any superficial stimulus that may or come in or out of the relationship and that she can provide. What if there is something that you're watching in a video that she won't do? Not she can't do not that there's a physical, whatever it is, right? Maybe she's small chested and you're really into big chested women and she's not going to do that. Or you're looking at barely 18 stuff. I'm not saying you do. I'm just saying, and she's 45. 
There's no way of changing 45 to 19. It just isn't. But what if it's something that you're really drawn to that she simply will not do? She could, but she doesn't. How do you tackle that within a relationship? Honor it. So do you choose not to be drawn to that type of stimulus? No, uh, uh, you, or do you talk about it and get it on the table and go, you know what, babe, I'm already that you don't do this? Yeah. But it still gets me moist as a snack cake. Uh, why not? Yeah. If, okay. if you know, there, there's, there's a certain level of trust and honesty that is inherent in a marriage. If you cannot have that conversation, then there might be other issues at play. And um, I'm flat out honest, I've been there. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it, it it's just, it's a conversation, and eventually it becomes a joke. And honestly, if some if if both people in the relationship are honest, it's going to go both ways. Yes. There is going to be things that both members of the relationship are drawn to that the other member of the relationship is not comfortable in doing. If Prince Harry ever comes to Kentucky, I am quickly divorced. You don't have a you don't have a a, a list that it's that you get a pass with the pass list me yeah y'all you, you and your bride i no 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 okay. i have zero lists all right so let she me, has a list so you've allowed her to have a list why not and I, and but but you don't get the chance to one of us ain't getting out of this marriage alive <laughs> that's 20 years of love right there folks <laughs> yep, one of us ain't getting out of this thing alive uh, odds are it's gonna be me because she might kill me by the end of the day or yeah, so uh, but but yeah, it, it yeah. Um, there's a lot to unpack from that, <laughs> um, and I would agree. I, you know, I think the high points of what Root said was stuttering. All right, to be in no, the stuttering was uh, that's going to need to be a drop. <laughs> I mean, well, that does that needs to be a drop. I ain't gonna lie to you. That that right there, that's that's gold. That's gold, Jerry. Um, I make a living out of stuttering. <laughs> But um, I think the high point of that is, is that if you're going to be in a long-term relationship, then there needs to be a comfort level with having difficult conversations. Absolutely. And difficult conversations without having personal judgment yeah. or judgment to the other person. Yep. Almost tree of trust stuff. Absolutely. Right. So, uh, and I think that's extremely important. However, I also will come on this side, and I think Alex would agree with me on this, is that it's not any one person's responsibility for the self-esteem of someone else, you know, and now granted, if you have someone in a relationship that is fallen, you help pick them up. If they have, if they have a weakness, you, you're their strength. That's what a relationship is. But at some point, it seems like that sometimes people's inadequacies cannot, no matter what you say, it's not going to get helped. Correct. So I think sometimes pornography will add to that, not necessarily benefit from it. You won't benefit from pornography in those situations. Yeah. If you're in a relationship where there is an uneven self-esteem or there is uneven inadequacies, or maybe let's just say that porn could magnify good things and bad things alike. Mm -hmm. If you have a fantastic relationship where communication is open and honest, and you introduce pornography as a sexual or a marital stimulus, relationship stimulus, you're going to blossom because it's going to magnify the good that you have in that relationship, that connection. But if you use it as a Band-Aid, 
if you already have inadequacies and issues within a physical part or sexual part of your relationship and you introduce pornography, it's going to magnify that. That's a grenade. So I think what we can agree to is that pornography within a relationship is a magnifier. Force multiplier. Whether it is good or or bad or indifferent, it will illuminate the relationship. Would totally we all true. agree on that? Yeah, totally true. Yeah, absolutely. It, so it, it, it it's a it's a time bomb. If if maybe that's a no. Well, it doesn't have it doesn't it doesn't actually have to be right. Yeah. For yeah. for a relationship where, like, say it's it where it can act as a multiplier in a positive way if it's positive for both people. Right. Um, but yeah, if it's if it's something where there's an unevenness, and this is, I mean, honestly, it's true of anything that is any kind of like has a stimulating effect in a relationship that for some people that's going to be maybe pornography for another relationship. That may be money for another, maybe personal time that you spend individually or together. Right. Right. Any of those things can be multipliers, but I mean, you know, pornography being our topic, definitely it is, it can be a pretty powerful one um, for good or for bad. And any time that, I can actually say that pornography can be relationship threatening because anytime self-esteem issues is brought into a relationship, it's relationship threatening. Then when you couple that with sexuality and the vulnerableness that people feel when they're involved in the sexual relationship and if they feel as though they're not meeting, they're not reaching the mark for their partner, you're talking about an extreme multiplier. Yes. Because it's hitting emotionally, physically, sexuality, my God. I mean, it can really spiral you down to a place that you can't recover from. And this, all right, I actually read an article. I know you all are impressed. You can read? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, other Things other than Harlequin Romances, even. There was pictures. Oh, well, there you go. But I read an article that Probably actually... Probably colored outside the lines, though. So. That actually stated when it was talking about young romances, which Root doesn't know anything about. <laughs> Now, well, is this romances among the young, or is this romances that are themselves young? Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Hot love, baby. Uh, new love. We're talking about Tinder stuff right here. <laughs> Everybody swipe right. Um, <laughs> this was actually an article written by Tinder. <laughs> <laughs> or is it Grinder? Because it's James. No, so no, Grinder. You don't know. <laughs> I'm going to smack him in his ear hole. <laughs> I'm very open-minded. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Not that there's anything wrong with it. <laughs>